the oppressed. In your great mercy, forgive our sins and free us from selfishness, that we may choose your will and obey your commandments. Por medio de Jesucristo, nuestro Salvador, en el nombre de Jesús, amen. Now, as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
friends before you stand people of our congregation who represent the nations of the world as we come together this day, World Communion Sunday, to worship with all the world in the good news of Jesus Christ and to serve and to be served at his table to know of God's blessing in our life. On page seven are the names of all those people who are before you and the nations they represent. And let us in God's grace and mercy go to him in prayer. Let us pray. We are mindful, O Lord, of the psalmist's words. O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, those he redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. We give you thanks, O Lord, today that we can truly be in communion with the world, that as the world is invited to this table, so it is we know that you are a God of all creation and that your grace extends to the four corners of the world. So bless us, O Lord, as we celebrate with our brothers and sisters throughout the globe that we may know of your grace and your mercy and that that grace and mercy will be extended to all those whom we love and know. For we ask this in Christ's name, amen. We invite you to be seated and for the congregation to remain standing. Compassion and forgiveness belong to the Lord our God, though we have rebelled against him. Let us then renounce our willfulness and seek his mercy by confessing our sins in penitence and faith. Let us pray. Eternal God, our judge and redeemer, we confess that we have tried to hide from you for we have done wrong. We have lived for ourselves and apart from you. We have turned from our neighbors and refused to bear the burdens of others. We have ignored the pain of the world and passed by the hungry, the poor, and the oppressed. In your great mercy, forgive our sins and free us from selfishness that we may choose your will and obey your commandments through Jesus Christ, our Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. This is the good news of the gospel, and it is for all who believe. Whatever you have done, whatever you have failed to do, you are accepted, you are welcomed. In the love of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven, you are set free. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven.
And now with believers across the globe and down through the ages, let us state what we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now we invite you in the love of Christ to turn and greet your neighbors. Okay, if you could all stand up. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> a little worried that you didn't do your knee bends today, so uh, I apologize for that. We are grateful that you're with us this morning, whether we're standing or sitting, and thankful that we can be together as the family of faith, especially as we worship with the world, with the greater family of faith, as the Brothers and sisters from around the world come together at this table to celebrate the good news of Jesus Christ. We hope that you will fill out the friendship pads which are in the pew and we would love to know your name and find out those who are sitting near you and we hope that you will, in the spirit of World Communion, uh, carry on your conversation and fellowship with those near you. After our service, we invite you to come underneath the tree. It's a perfect day for that. We hope that you will uh, enjoy fellowship of the larger family of faith uh, today. Lots of things going on, so um, we're going to make you aware of uh, great things that are happening in this season of uh, fall and lots of new things starting and lots of uh, great things that are going on that we invite you to be a part of. We have a couple of Honduras mission trips that are uh, scheduled for February, and uh, this is the time to be in planning for that. If you'd like to learn more about going to Honduras, we have a, a trip to do a, a work project as well as another trip to uh, do v vacation Bible school with young students. More information about that immediately after the service, 1015 over in the chapel, so please feel free to go and learn about that great opportunity. That's gonna be in the beginning of February. We have our fall uh, shape class uh, tonight, so if you would like to learn more about that, there's an opportunity underneath the table to sign up even now. Uh, that class begins this evening. 
Our Palms men will have a breakfast next Saturday, and uh, if you are a man, you are welcome to come and be a part of that fellowship. We uh, have the opportunity to hear from Jeff McCauley, our new Director of Student Ministries, so it's going to be a great time, so we hope you'll come next Saturday, and sign up for that is underneath the tree as well. The Presbyterian women next Saturday are going on retreat, and uh, you, if you're a woman, see, we are an all-inclusive, men and women both on Saturday doing their different things, so we would love to have you uh, join uh, the women up at um, the retreat center in Dayspring. So if you'd like to learn more about that or sign up, you can see folks underneath the tree. Samaritan Counseling Center, which is a mission of our church that's uh, located right here on our campus, is having a benefit golf tournament in two weeks, uh, a week from this Saturday. And if you'd like to learn more about that and sign up for that, that's also underneath the tree. So the tree is the place to be today. We uh, had to postpone yesterday our flu shot clinic. Um, the supplies were not uh, readily at hand by our medical professionals, so uh, we needed to postpone that a week. So next Saturday from 9 to 11, you are welcome to come and be a part of uh, that uh, flu shot clinic. We uh, are beginning our stewardship emphasis this month, and we will be looking at the opportunity we have as a church to pass the baton of our faith and our life as a church to uh, those in new generations, and we invite you to be opening your heart and mind as we begin that journey of stewardship. Uh, you'll be receiving communications from our congregation, the challenges that we have before us to be able to be faithful in our ministry to generations to come and in the year to come, so we invite you to uh, be open to that, to be praying about that as we take up our stewardship dedication time at the end of this month. And Genevieve has an introduction to make this morning. Good morning. I think we can all agree that this church was completely filled with glorious sounds last week, and it was an extraordinary send-off for our friend. I'm going to speak right into the camera now. Thanks, John, for making it really hard for us to fill your shoes this week. <laughs> but luckily for me, I knew of some great shoes I thought that could fit very well into this place. Really, I tried to picture myself having to begin this very big position this week along with a complete stranger at the organ and I feel like I should probably run away or something. Um, it is with great pleasure that I introduce to you my friend and colleague Jonathan Spivey. Go ahead and stand up. <laughs> To tie this with uh, World Communion Sunday, I'll tell you that Jonathan is the son of a missionary pastor, and he grew up in Sweden and in Canada. And you can speak Swedish and French to him, and he'll be, that will always make him happy. He holds a doctorate degree from Stony Brook, and he has been the pianist for the Sarasota Orchestra since the early 1990s, where he met his lovely wife, Yoko, our sanctuary coordinator. Jonathan was the first musician I met when I moved here in 1997, and I still can't believe that I get to bring a friend and an unbelievably talented musician to this beautiful new home. We pray that our music will continue to reach God's ears every week and that we, feel we will feel his love as we lift his name through music. Thank you for inviting us into your home. And please continue to pray for the music ministry during this transition period, and we continue to pray for John and Judy, our good friends. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you, Genevieve. We look forward to many years of great music and worship together. Let us continue our worship through the presentation of our tithes and gifts and offerings.
Shall we pray? Lord, everything on heaven and on earth are yours. We only give back to you what you've already given to us. So we pray that you'll use these monies for the work of your service and bless us and enable all of us to be totally committed to you in whatever you ask. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And now you may be seated. I don't know what's coming, but uh, here comes something very interesting. <laughs> Definitely. Come on down, and if you would like to have a seat, let's come on down. Good morning. How is everybody? And we still have some amazing costumes. Oh, my goodness. It's so great. Oh, you guys look awesome. So, as they're making their way down, I want to tell you that for the month of October, we are going to talk about honor. Now, we can honor God with our times, our talents, and our treasures, but we can also honor God by how we treat other people. And that's what we want to talk about today, that God looks at our heart, but we often look at what's on the outside. You know, sometimes we judge people by what they wear, by the games that they have, the bikes that they ride, maybe the house that they live in. And God goes, no, no, I want you to look at the heart. There's this great story in the Old Testament that tells us this lesson. And here's what happens. In 1 Samuel, way in the Old Testament, God's ready to pick a new king. Sounds simple enough. He sends Samuel to Jesse's house. Jesse's got a bunch of sons. And he says, I'll let you know which one. Here come the sons, one by one by one. Seven sons go by, and he goes, none of those were the right ones, God? And God goes, nope. He goes, Jesse, do you have any more sons? One more son. He's a boy. He's out taking care of my sheep. Surely God doesn't want to make that kid the king. Well, bring him here. So guess what? He goes in, looks at God. This is the one. Well, here's where it gets really good. There is a battle getting ready to start between the Philistines and the Israelites. There's this one guy on the Philistines team, and he said, send me your best soldier. If I win, you guys have to bow to us. If he wins, we'll be your prisoners. Well, that's fine, except that nobody wants to fight this Philistine because he's a giant. He stands. This is nine feet. He stands nine feet tall. David was something probably the size of Stuart. And they're like, there's no way that this kid can beat that giant. His armor alone weighed over 100 pounds. Stuart, you don't even weigh 100 pounds, do you? No. <laughs> Guess what? God knew what was in David's heart. And so God gave David exactly what he needed to defeat this giant. Do you remember, anyone know what he used? What did he use, Tallulah? A slingshot and five smooth stones. You've heard this before, haven't you? Yes. <laughs> he put the one stone in the slingshot, knocks him right in the noggin, voomp, he's gone. And guess what? It's all because God knew what was in the heart. You would never think that a small boy could defeat a giant. See, God doesn't care for old or young, tall or short, fat or skinny. God cares what's in our heart, and he wants us to care what's in everybody else's heart and not what they look like. Will you pray with me? 
Gracious God, we ask that you help us not to judge the outside appearance, but to look into someone's heart, that we get to know them, because when we do that, we not only value that person, but we honor you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's go to kids' worship. Let me help you with this. I hate following the children's moment. <laughs> no props, nothing, just. <laughs> we are continuing in a sermon series on the Beatitudes of Jesus found at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount in chapter five of the Gospel of Matthew. And today we focus on the Beatitude, blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. And to do so, we will be looking at a story in the New Testament as well as a story in the Old Testament. The story that I'll read to you this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew, the 18th chapter, verses 21 through 35. Hear the word of God. Peter came and said to Jesus, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. And when he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him, and as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold, together with his wife and children and all his possessions, and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, I will pay you everything. And, and out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him by the throat, he said, pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me, and I will pay you. But he refused. And then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. And then his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. And so my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you who, if you do not forgive your brother and sister from your heart. This is the word of the Lord. Be to Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, O Lord, we are given this chance to hear again your word. And we pray, O oh Lord, that these words to come will simply point to that word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. But we pray this in his name. Amen. In his masterful biography of Harry Truman, 
David McCullough relays the story of an episode that took place years after the end of Truman's presidency when he and Bess were back in Independence, Missouri. It was a story recounted by the local Presbyterian pastor, Thomas Melton. Reverend Melton told of a cold February day in Independence, wind blowing and snow falling, and, and he had been given the task of burying a former resident of Independence who had moved away, no doubt to Florida, and died. The body had been shipped north, a notice had been placed in the paper, and as sometimes happens, when the pastor and funeral director arrived at the graveside, nobody had come. No one was left to pay last respects. And since there had been a notice in the paper, they waited until the appointed hour, and just before they were set to begin, amidst the wind and the cold and the snow, they noticed a car pull into the cemetery and drive up the hill. They waited, and the car came to a stop at the graveside, and out stepped Harry Truman, 33rd President of the United States. Truman stood at the graveside while in the biting Missouri cold, the pastor performed the committal service. After the committal was over, Reverend Melton went to the former president and said, Mr. President, why, why are you here? It's cold, it's bitter. Did you know this man? To which Truman replied, Pastor, I try never to forget a friend. I try never to forget a friend. No one will ever know who that friend was or what it was that made him a friend to Harry Truman. But there are things that occur in a relationship that last forever. And Truman, by God's grace, had been given the chance to remember. Tucked away in the recesses of the Old Testament is a story they never taught me in Sunday school a story almost lost inside the grand narrative of biblical history. It's a story about Saul, the first king of Israel. Now, Saul is a tragic figure who manages to make all the wrong decisions and soon falls out of favor with Samuel, the great judge of Israel. Even God appears to withhold his favor from Saul. Saul dies a tragic death on the fields of battle by falling on his own sword so as to avoid being captured alive by the Philistines. And the Philistines, in their vengeance, desecrate the body of Saul and in humiliating fashion nail his dead body along with the dead bodies of his son to a wall in the middle of one of their towns, Betchion. It is, without saying, an ignominious demise. Frankly, all of Israel, though, is somewhat relieved that this king is gone. But several miles away, there is an Israelite town, Jabesh Gilead, that, that remembers something about the king. And, and what they remember is that when Saul was at the very beginning of his kingship, he had come to their aid. They, they had been surrounded by the Philistines and were awaiting a most certain demise. And when Saul, the new king, had become aware of their plight, he enlisted the men of Israel to join him in coming to their aid. And they did. And they rescued the people of Jabesh Gilead. So when the word came to that little town that the tragic king had died his tragic death and was left to tragic display, the people of Jabesh Gilead remembered. 
there are some things that last forever. They remembered the mercy of Saul. They remembered the rescue of Saul. And scripture tells us this, when the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead heard what the Philistines had done to Saul, all the valiant men set out, traveled all night long, and took the body of Saul and the bodies of his sons from the wall of Betchion. And they came to Jabesh and burned them there. And then they took their bones and buried them under the tamarisk tree there in Jabesh and fasted seven days. There are some things never to be forgotten. Literature and history is filled with stories about the bad things people don't forget. Feuds that last generations and centuries, Hatfields and McCoys, Montagues and Capulets, the Irish and the British, Christians, Muslims, Jews, Republicans and Democrats. You don't have to look long or far to find the bad things that people don't forget. And what history would want to tell us is that it's these bad things, these grievances, these transgressions, these bones to pick, these are the things that last forever. We are doomed to such ignominious destiny. But for the people of Jabesh Gilead, there was a tamarisk tree. Yes, that's the tree that's in your bulletin. A tamarisk tree that reminded them of something different. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Mercy never goes away. Mercy lasts forever. Theirs were not bones to pick, theirs were bones to bury properly and with a fast that lasted seven days. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. So, Peter approaches Jesus and wonders with him about how long does he have to wait before he begins making people pay for the bad things they've done. What is the statute of limitations when it comes to mercy, Jesus, he asks. How many times do I have to forgive? And then he throws out a crazy number. Seven times? Seven times do I have to turn the other cheek? But then Jesus throws out an even crazier number and says, how about 77 times? Or in other translations, it says seven times 70. Well, from there, Jesus tells a story about the guy who has this person in his life who is in debt to him up to his eyeballs. He's got this guy in his life who has taken advantage of him, treated him like a chump, who has taken him for granted, who has taken him for just about everything he's got. And so he says to himself, okay, enough's enough, time to pay up. And he goes to the guy and he says, that's it, time to pay up. And so the guy begs for mercy. Now we can imagine that this is not the first time this guy has begged for mercy. You don't get into debt up to your eyeballs without begging for mercy along the way. So he's again begging for mercy. And so this guy says to himself, no, no way, pal, enough's enough. you got to pay for this the rest of your life. The statute of limitations is over. But then 
for whatever reason, he opts for mercy. He gives in again. And he doesn't just give in, he clears the decks. He's, this guy's free and clear. You don't owe me a dime, pal. Now, with that, of course, he takes this enormous risk because he doesn't know if this gesture is going to make any difference. It, it may not change this guy, but he does it anyway. Cancels the IOU for a bazillion dollars, and he may never see the fruit of it. And yet what he's willing to believe is that mercy is enough. Mercy is enough. Mercy on its own is enough, regardless of whether it's understood or remembered. Someday, somehow, the merciful receive mercy. Not unlike Lucy, remember holding the football for Charlie Brown? So he can kick it. And she keeps pulling it away, and he keeps trying, and he keeps giving her another chance. And so sure enough, the guy doesn't get it. He doesn't understand. The mercy just rolls off his back and he runs into a guy who owes him a box of paper clips and he says, I, I can't let those paper clips go. I know it's just a box of paper clips, but it's the principle of the matter. I feel like you got one over on me, buddy, so I guess I need to teach you a lesson and it would appear that mercy has disappeared. But mercy doesn't disappear. Mercy is spiritual mass. Physicists will tell you that, that mass never goes away. It cannot disappear. It can take on different forms. It can be converted to energy, but it cannot go away. Mercy, Jesus says, doesn't go away. It may get lost on people, but it doesn't go away. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall someday receive mercy. That's what those warriors from Jabesh Gilead were saying. Mercy doesn't go away. It, it, it may appear to go away, but it doesn't go away. And though we may risk our lives, said those warriors, in climbing the walls of the Philistines and taking their desecrated spoils away, though it may seemingly make no difference at all that we gave the king a proper burial, though it may seem a small thing that we lay his bones underneath that tamarisk tree and fast our seven days, there is something about mercy mercy we believe that lasts forever. Maybe that's why they called it a tree that they strapped Jesus' body to. It wasn't a tree, but they called it a tree. God incarnate taking away the sin of the world, the desecrated lamb of God on the tree. And God takes this huge risk that we may not get it. This beautiful act of mercy may just get lost on us. We might turn away and relish in our grievances and pick bones and hold grudges and stop speaking to others. Perfect love and mercy up there on that tree and we might just say, yeah, whatever. God knows that mercy doesn't go away. Mercy doesn't go away. Just because we don't recognize it or because we don't understand it or appreciate it, mercy is forever. It will come back to us someday, somehow. It will come back to us seven times, 77 times, seven times, 70 times. It will come back to us. Blessed are those who are merciful, for they will receive 
mercy. As we do today at this table, this perpetual feast, gathered are we from east and west, north and south, the world invited to this table. We take our seat underneath the tree and remember that it's still here. It hasn't gone away. The mercy hasn't gone away. It's still here. It's been here for centuries. And it doesn't need us even to recognize it. It's still here. Father, forgive them, those who have gathered underneath the tree. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Because there are things that occur in a relationship that last forever. And by God's grace, we have been given the chance again to remember. Friends, the good news is that mercy doesn't go away. Mercy is not reliant upon our response. Mercy is here at this table. As sure as we come to this table once a month, as sure as the world comes to this table once a year, so sure it is that God's love for us is unconditional. It does not take our merit, it doesn't take our figuring it out, it doesn't take our having to be a certain kind of person in order to merit this. 
God's mercy is forever. And so you are invited with the world to come to this table and to join with brothers and sisters from all across the world to know of this good truth. Jesus Christ has died to forgive our sins and that he has been raised from the dead so that we are assured of life eternal. And that as we come to this table and bring with us our own sin and brokenness, so it is that the mercy of God is for everlasting to everlasting. And that we have been met by grace. So hear the words, the institution of the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ as they are delivered by the Apostle Paul. I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you that the same night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread. And after he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, Jesus took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you remember the Lord's death until he comes again. And he will come again. Let us pray. We rejoice, O Lord, that in Christ there is no east or west, there is no south or north, that you extend your grace to the four corners and that you love us without condition. We ask, O Lord, that you will allow us through your spirit to come to this table, to receive from this table these gifts of grace and mercy. So consecrate these elements, these common elements, such that they would become for us spiritual food, the heavenly feast, that we may know that we join together with all the saints in worshiping the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So bless us, for we pray this in the name of Christ who taught us all to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our Lord took bread.
Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. For surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. took the cup.
Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and he who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his Son to be the worthy sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. For no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. <clears throat> Let us pray together. Lord, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and praise. We praise you for your love and mercy in giving your only son, Jesus, to die on the cross to save us. And by this offering of himself once and for all time, your son made the perfect, complete sacrifice for the sins of the world and obtained an eternal deliverance for his people and enabling us to live a new life. Therefore, we lift our hearts and voices to you in praise, saying, Holy, 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 Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen.
Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you.